Welcome back to Soulback. This is the R&B Podcast. Kyle here, back with Tom and Ed. What is going on, guys? I'm chilling, players. Pretty early over where my man Kyle is, so I'm surprised he's coherent. But as this show goes on, I'm sure he will get more insane. We'll use that as your excuse. <laughs> Eddie, Eddie, you still digging in on those leftovers? Player, of course I'm still digging in on his leftovers. I now who was it? It was one of you two looms that sent me some kind of meme from Plies that was, that was demanding me. that leftovers should be thrown away like the next day. Let me tell you, wasteful people something. If the food is cooked on Thursday, that food is staying up in there at least until Tuesday or Wednesday. I mean that stuff will be eaten up by then anyway. But what kind of Rich people who just forget about the starving kids in Africa that's throwing away good Thanksgiving leftovers the next day. Come to when you before you do that, call your boy so I can swing by. Before you throw it away, throw it in my car. I'll give it a good home. All right, Ed. From now on, I'm sending you all my stale meat. <laughs> well, I don't want none of your stale meat because it's not seasoned. <laughs> oh, that's true, actually. <laughs> Uh, to Ed, wasn't there a huge debate going on online on whether pecan pie was better or sweet potato pie? Is this a thing? I did not see this thing, but I I don't know. That's a hard choice. They're both, if done well, both can be pretty excellent. Now, if you say a pecan and pumpkin pie, throw that pumpkin pie in the trash. But sweet <laughs> potato, okay. That's a, that's a harder argument. Tom, what's your pick? Neither. Neither one are any good. All right. I'll eat the crust of the pie. That's a, that, You'll that's eat good the enough. crust of the pie? What pies do you eat? <laughs> uh, whipped cream pie. Oh, God. Why do I ask these questions? Yeah. <laughs> well, guys, I've got a question for the both of you. Thanksgiving okay. is over now. How many times have you heard the Mariah Carey song since Thanksgiving ended? The Christmas song? <laughs> I actually have not heard it at all yet. I know it's there, but I really have been too busy in the past week and a half to go anywhere but work in my home office. I'm just like shut up like some hobbit. But I'm sure it's out there, and I'm sure y'all have heard it 18 times already. Well, here in New York, there's a station that plays Christmas music every year. They started super early this year, and um, I, I happen to be playing it to try to get in the, in the mood for the season. Yo, I've heard the song 30 times already, and I would play the station like a few days. They play it once an hour. Isn't that crazy? It. I believe yep. it. So, speaking of Mariah, that the playing a song once every freaking hour is the reason why I hate We Belong Together. Because I swear that's what they did in 2005. I still can't hear that song. (laughs) (laughs) Well, guys, maybe this new music will wash that all away. Uh, We've got a couple of projects to talk about. It was a rather slow week for R&B when it comes to releases, but uh, two projects I do want to note, and there's a couple of songs here too, but Montel Jordan is back with his new album, Masterpiece. I saw DJ Soulchild going nuts on Facebook about it. And it's gotten a lot of good reception, actually. But, Ed, give us the real. What's the album all about? I kind of got to agree with the homie on this one. I liked it. Um, it's a... if One thing I could say that slightly disappointed me is that it was a little too safe. 
But before we get into that, just talk about the project overall. My man Montel did what he came to did came did what he came to do. That is, and that is just give the straight up traditional R and B that you were used to doing. Now he has spent the last few years kind of in the gospel realm, really successful doing gospel. By the way, and I think a lot of his contributions there are very underrated. He's had some number ones and some big hits in that arena. So I wondered if this album was going to be like a little of both. A little bit of the 90s swag, a little bit of the 2000s swag, a little of the gospel swag. And even though some of the songs have some spiritual tint leaning to it, it's pretty much a R&B album that you would expect from Montel. It hits all the right notes, but again, the only beef I have is it's like a little too safe. It's very, very good, but there's nothing really daring on it. A couple of good tracks, but probably will end up on my best R&B albums of the year list. But I just wish it was a couple more tracks there that really pushed it over some standouts that made me come back for more. Can we not forget where the news for that album coming out was first originally broken? Where, where did it come from, Tom? Please, please enlighten the people. On the Soulback podcast earlier this year, he yes, let yes, us know yes. that news first. That was huge. He did. It was huge. He broke that right on the podcast, right as we were listening to it. We had no idea he dropped that bombshell on us. So he lived up to his word, and it's a project worth checking out for sure. And yeah. Kyle, you also, in addition, met him this year at his show. He's a good dude, right? Yeah, super good guy. Uh, very nice guy, actually. And I'll tell you what, guys. I think he's pretty underrated vocally, just vocally speaking. Because, yep. Tom, we talked about it yesterday. Everyone knows his huge hit. And, of course, he has a couple more hits in you know on his resume but vocally i think he's he's up there he's pretty good i told you i told kyle that people don't consider him a vocalist typically or think of him as a vocalist when they think because his major hit this is how we do it as he explained to us is more rap influenced you know more of the Mm -hmm. early rap singing so if you just think of him in that realm you don't think of him as a top vocalist but ed he's definitely in consideration no question. And that's one thing that has forever frustrated me about combos about my man Montel because so much of the conversation goes back to this is how we do. It. And don't get me wrong, that is one of the best songs of the 90s, no question. But he is so much bigger than that song and he has done so much beyond that. When people try to say, oh, one hit wonders, Montel Jordan, player, go look at the numbers, go look at the catalogs. Man got number ones out the behind, he got platinum albums out the behind. Extremely talented vocalist, extremely talented writer, by the way, as you know, penning some big hits as well. He is a multifaceted player, and this album shows he's still got some gas in the tank. There you have it. And then his fellow Deaf Soul alumni, Cisco, dropped a new EP, Genesis. Tom, haven't we been waiting like three weeks for this? Yeah, I mean, originally he gave a release date in early November, and then... It came a few weeks late to coincide with the 20th anniversary of his debut album, uh, Unleash the Dragon. So, But man, guys, I've been waiting on a Drew Hill album. I wasn't waiting on a Cisco solo EP, unfortunately. I mean, but we'll take it. And, and the, re- the response to this EP was much different than Montel. I don't know if you saw that, Ed. I have not. I honestly, I knew it dropped. I haven't, I haven't torn myself away from my Thanksgiving leftovers to check it out yet. But I hadn't seen too much convo about this. What the streets talking about? Uh, pretty. Not you good. saw the comments, Kyle, right? <laughs> it was not good. 
Oh boy. Uh, I mean, I I quickly skimmed it before this podcast. I have to go back and listen to it, but it seemed very trendy. I'll say that. Oh, lovely. My favorite. Are we getting trapped there, in Cisco? There was one song that was more traditional sounding, but unfortunately. I mean, what was the last album called then? It's, it's, they all saw something about a dragon. Last Dragon, well, something yeah, dragon. Last I, don't dragon. I don't think it's even on Spotify. I was trying to find that one. Only the singles from that one are on there. It was kind of strange, but. Weird. I think he kind of continued in the same same realm of the sound from that one. That's what I was getting from this. Maybe even some leftovers. Well, that one was kind of a mix. And I, I just checked that out recently when I reviewed his entire discography. Head over to Soul and Stereo. You can see my ranking of Drew Hill slash Cisco's discography. And it wasn't totally trendy, but it was just kind of forgettable because it was just kind of all over the place. And if this is leftover tracks from that, it's not going to be the best look. Listen, guys, what do you think? Because um, I, I often complain about Jagged Edge and the Layover album, and then it just seems like since then they just continue to make that type of music. What do you think makes an artist decide, okay, let me keep going in this lane? Is it the people? Are the people telling them that it's good? Because i got to throw some hands if that's the case. <laughs> I don't know. Well, first of all, it depends how we define people. Because every artist has a stable of yes man. They're saying no matter what you do, it's the hottest thing ever. I don't know who's surrounding Cisco, so I can't speak to that. But in my opinion, a lot of these artists are doing music that A, think that is trendy, that's going to get them back in the spotlight. Especially artists who were once huge, huge. And Cisco was huge at one point. So these are artists who are saying... Alright, I'm going to go with what's hot and put my spin on it and make it hotter. Or, it's music that they're fans of. And maybe they are fans of that kind of, I don't want to say trap because I haven't heard a new album. I don't know if it's trap. But, let's say he is using a more modern, trendy sound. A lot of times, artists are fans of that. And they're like, okay, I want to do it because I like it. And just because you like something doesn't necessarily mean you can do it well. And that's kind of an issue we see a lot. Hmm. So, Tom, a few more records. Let's just touch on them here. Uh, TJ Jackson, first of all, he was originally part of Michael Jackson's group, 3T. 3T. Yeah, Tito Jackson's son. I actually never even checked out the group, but he uh, has a cool new record you guys should check out. It was pretty solid. Yeah, 3T was one of the more underrated groups back in the day, and I did a whatever happened to on them maybe, I don't know if it was this year or last year. It wasn't too long ago. I checked them out. And they're just one of those groups that I feel like in the 90s, there were just so many groups that it was easy to just kind of get overlooked, even when you had singles featuring freaking Michael Jackson. And they just were kind of brushed over because there was just so many legendary groups dropping classics left and right. But they had some, I, I liked them. They definitely had potential. So I will check this out. Brothers could sing. Right. Uh, Brave Williams recently dropped a new song, You. It actually was pretty good. It has a banging beat, so it reminds me of like an early 2000s record. And Brave always shows us love on Instagram. We do the same. So, shouts to Brave. Her new album will be out, Tom. I think it was next year. SRG dropped like a huge press release. Oh, man. Just like detailing yeah, we, every album that's coming out. There's like five albums coming out in, in the span of three or four months. It's going to be crazy. I, I think I saw Avant. I saw Stockman, who Sean Stockman, a boy's to men, who we were still wondering if it was... 
he was still going to do a solo album. Um, who were the rest, Kyle? Oh, Brian McKnight is another one. Raheem um, Devine, Vivian Green. Yeah, I think Bobby Raheem V. Bobby one. V. Jeez. I think so. And yep. then Bobby V's coming out on Valentine's Day. He told us that yep. also exclusively on the Soul Back podcast. He did. There we go. That's a lot so, of stuff coming. That's exciting. Yeah. There you go. That's that's a lot of good R and B to look forward to in 2020. As well as confessions too, but we'll get into that later. Uh, oh, calm down. <laughs> uh, another record here, Tom. Music Soul Child is back with Vina Mills. What's going on here? What do you mean? What's going on here? I love it, Kyle. <laughs> it's a soulful song. I'm not. I wasn't really familiar with Vina Mills. I guess she's been around the industry for a while, doing backgrounds and writing. So she's coming out with a project. She got music. I guess she known him from her time doing you know performances and stuff so it's a cool song you should check it out all right then well let's quickly get into then and this might be a pretty important discussion for my generation uh Hmm. the 2020 millennium tour just announced guys uh if you guys remember the b2k one from this year had a lot of success the second highest grossing tour of the year from my understanding but we're doing it all over again in 2020. We've got Bow Wow, Omarion. Uh, who else do we have on that tour? We have Pretty Ricky, they're back. Lloyd is back. Ying Yang Twins are back. Soulja Boy. Ed, I know you're very excited about that one. Okay. And we have Sammy. So the question I have for you guys is, will this lineup be as successful as the last one? Well, player, uh, it's always hard to... The sequel is always hard to follow up when it's a successful kind of first outing. So I don't know that this one will be as successful just because this one's going to come in with a little less buzz. And of course, there's controversy with B2K, and we'll get to that later. I don't know. I think it'll do okay, but I don't know if it'll replicate that first one. I'm going to say no. Because I think part of the appeal from the first one was the B2K reunion. They really tied that into the whole marketing. And I don't think that Omarion's name holds the same weight or nearly. I mean, I don't remember seeing him do a lot of doing a lot of touring on his own and doing that well when you know he when the group was still broken up. So ah, I don't know. I mean, I don't really know what Bow Wow's fan base is like or Soldier Boy, to be honest. Or those, maybe those Yin Yang twin fans are gonna still come out in full force, right? Ed? Uh huh. Um, trust and believe, your boy will be sitting in the house when that group gets out on the stage. <laughs> I don't know, Kyle. It's your it's your generation. What do you think? You called the last um, one, right? Yep. I I knew the last one would be good. This one I think will also do very good for the reason that Bow Wow and Omarion are, are on the tour together. They had a joint album. I don't know if you guys remember this back in two thousand and I think seven. Face Off. No, I remember that actually. That was number one on the Billboard charts. So they have a following and. I'll argue this to the day that I die. I think Bow Wow needs to be considered a legend when it comes to hip-hop. What? And you don't think so, Ed? <laughs> no, I don't think so. What? <laughs> Hold on. What? Not music, Not musically speaking, but impact-wise. Then what speaking? He brought the youth to hip-hop in a way that he... I've never seen before. He brought the youth to hip-hop. I mean, now, I will say that young Bow Wow, I'm talking about when he was, like, with JD running around with Jagged Edge singing all their songs. He <laughs> did have a youthful fan base at that yep. time. 
But once that boy got some bass in his voice, everybody turned away because he's an annoying human being. <laughs> Hip hop legend? What are you talking about? Come on, he, that he has a whole generation that supports him. That 106 in the Park crowd, they love Bow Wow. They did when he was on 106 in Park. But have you checked in what this generation thinks of him lately? By the time he got around, around the time they did that Face Off album that you mentioned, which is one of the ugliest album goes I ever seen. Go check that out. Google <laughs> is your friend. But when he hit the mid two thousands, when he tried to, and we've talked on the podcast before about artists and their inability to kind of mature in a way that they can keep their fans and he went to like we saw how cousin chris adapted his bad boy persona for better or worse and it kind of helped him terrible as that sounds when he went to his little bad boy persona everybody just tuned out because he was just an annoying little termite so <laughs> i don't see what you talking about here player yes in 2003 people were rocking with him but by 2010 no sir and well, how could we ever forget the Bow Wow Challenge? And that oh. <laughs> instantly ruined his whole credibility, guys. Come on. I'm trying to tell you, but Kyle thinks otherwise. Listen. 106 in Park this, really had y'all fooled, man. One, It did. I thought Cherish was the biggest group of all time. Turns out they ran, <laughs> they, they charted at like 77 on the Billboard 100. But it Listen, I just did a, I just did an article on them. We'll talk about that later. But yes, 106 had y'all food. All right. Well, let's look at the rest of the lineup while I listen to Pretty Boy Swag by Soldier Boy and Bow Wow. Uh, <laughs> the rest of the lineup. Does does this lineup make sense? Who got left out here? Because uh, I mean, it's well, gl- it's good to see Sammy on this lineup. Well, let me let me say there's a lot to discuss on this. For starters, shout out to our boy Sammy. Because he was on our show earlier this year, and he took the high road when he didn't make the first cut, even though he could have been on that show. And now, look, they picked him for the for the next one. He did his own tour, and it worked out. But, man, I feel bad for Bobby V, who's no longer on this one. And he made some comments on social media being like, man, people just don't support me like they should be. It was pretty sad to see that, but he's always been honest. But, Ed, I mean, what did you think of the rest? Well, I mean, it comes out with... It's one of those things where it's people can kind of armchair quarterback and be like, oh, they should have said this person and that person. For the era, without repeating exactly what they did the first time, it's okay. The main thing that they're missing, though, and I said this is the first time, where is the female representation? So y'all can holler at Sierra, grab the rest of Cherish, the Danny DeCane, what they're doing. I feel like there's yeah, makes a no role sense for to at me. least someone. Someone should have been there. I mean, even to keep things diverse and, like, even include females. Like, why just not have any females ever? It doesn't make any sense to me. The only thing I can figure is that they're trying to do... What was the the tour back in the 2000s where it was kind of like the... Um, the Scream the Tour. Scream Tour. Yes, yeah, the Scream that, Tour. That's exactly what it is. Where it's trying to cater to that audience. But I just feel like that's different because you're trying to get... That was like, oh, let's go get the crazy, screamy little girls. Crazy screaming little girls not gonna care about the yin yang twins. Like they <laughs> it's this clearly a generational tour that's spanning a generation of music. It's the one oh six in part generation. So I don't get why they don't have some crunken bee lady there to kinda hold things down on that end. Just odd. Well well, I'll say this. Because I know Tiffany Evans, do you remember her, Ed Promise Ring? Oh yeah. Oh and yeah. Her voice is bananas. Um 
she tweeted out that exact same question. Where are the ladies? So let's take this time because clearly they're not going to add ladies to this tour now. The tour is set. I'm going to go watch Sammy and Soldier Boy do their thing. Kiss me through the phone. We're ready. I bet you forgot about that one, Tom. Oh, how could we forget? I'm going to do something to this phone to you and it ain't kissing. <laughs> <laughs> Can I just so forget this whole generation guy? <laughs> I'm sorry. I, I think you Please. <laughs> um, let's think about the ladies for a second. If they were to start... Because, Tom, there's that... Was it Femme It Forward tour that they sometimes have with, like, Carrie Hilson, A. Marie, Monica, Brandy, and Ashanti, and Maya? Well, that... So that... That was a thing... Uh, yeah, but that was a consciously female empowerment show. You know, that, that was a different... Th- that was put on by... Was that BT or is one of the made essence? I think put that together. That yeah, was yeah, like a, something like a that. Fe- that was like a female centric thing, though. I mean, that was geared towards uplifting females. You know, are we really trying to uplift males here? I don't. It's not just a different thing. It, it is a different tour, though. Like this Millennium tour, Ed. I think they are trying to go for those scream audience, and it it, it did work the last time around. But let's think about these female acts here. That we could add, like Sierra. Would well, hold on, hold, head- hold on, Kyle. Can I just ask yep. Ed a question? Okay. Yeah. At what Ed? At, at what age are you too old to be running and screaming to the front of the stage, trying to touch an artist's leg who's performing on stage? Well, exactly. That's my point. Well, unless we're hold talking on. about I, I, sweat. I, want, I need oh, answers. I need. I need answers, Ed. Ed unless you you're talking the, about, Ed, I have been at many at the last Keith Sweat concert. Yes, I've been in. What? We have footage. I have, I have been at many Key Sweat shows where draws were thrown on the stage. This literally <laughs> happened. And he like walked so, over and looked at it and just frowned and walked away. It was really hilarious. Anyway. Really? No. That, this happened. I'm telling you. It was funny. Frowned. Yes. Would you pick up random draws that were thrown at you? <laughs> you don't know where they've been. Continue. Answer anyway. my question for starters. My point is, there is a part where, going back to the Scream Tour, when it's like a bunch of teenagers running around like maniacs with their heads popping like balloons, okay, that's something, okay, that's just part of the culture. But when we are targeting the tour at this point, the people that they're targeting to are like, what, mid-30s? Something like that. They're in their 30s. They are not going to be that insane. So I don't think that having a tour... Dedicated to scream style stuff, it's not necessarily best. They will be screaming, they will be wilding out, they'll be yes, spectacular, got abs or whatever foolishness is going on. But it's not going to be to the same level that it was. Everybody grows up, unless you're the old Auntie Thorn draws at Keith. <laughs> oh God. <laughs> well, I think what the beauty of this tour is is that it'll be that one time in that one space where. People will forget about the Bow Wow memes and the Soldier Boy memes, and they'll just enjoy the hit records from the 2000s. That's what it's well, supposed to be, right? No, I agree with that. And, I mean, why would you pay money to go to a show just to boo somebody? Well, <laughs> they booed Drake at that show, which was hilarious. Right. But, no, you're right. These are going to be super fans that are going to see their the artists that they grew up on, and they want to soak in that nostalgia. But, again... Part of that nostalgia, you're kind of erasing a whole segment of that nostalgia when there are plenty of female acts that could have added to this. Yep. Well, let's get into these female acts here because I'm trying to think. 
Sierra, if we were do, to do an all-female tour, would probably headline it, but I think she's too busy with like her other business ventures. And honestly, I don't even know if she would be willing to do a tour like this. Uh, it doesn't not. seem like it. But okay. again, just for the sake of argument, she definitely should have been in the consideration. So let's let's just take out Sierra from this conversation then. Um, Ashanti, is she headlining the tour? Are we doing a separate female tour? Yeah, we're just tour, doing or? an all-female tour. It's weird. I, I never really associate Ashanti with, with these artists. It's weird to think yeah, about for some reason. I don't know why, though. It's because she kind of debuted ahead of that. Because, you know, she debuted 02, 01. And I know B2K was like around that time, too. But they just skewed younger. And then a lot of these mm. other acts came on. I just feel like the audience, she's kind of borderline. She could probably do it. But I feel like she's kind of in the middle generation. Yeah. Between yeah, because it, I, Look at A. Marie, too. Same thing. She came out around yeah. the same time. But I don't associate with her with this same style of you know of fans oh not at all her her sound was completely different and, like no and that'd be like well. trying to throw tweet in there yeah, yeah that's exactly all right so now i'm just trying to think because we need that we need a headliner for this tour uh well keisha you cole? got nivia you got nivia but she's not a headliner nivia keisha is cole. busy on black tv right now oh God. no God. she doesn't have time to tour with us N- Keisha well, Cole, I feel like it's the later generation. She came on what, like oh six, oh seven? She was yeah. more oh five, kind of blew up oh six, oh seven. So she's kind of not. And again, her sound is a little. It depends where where we're trying to go with this. If we are trying to match the screen tour slash that sound, then Keisha doesn't really fit that mold. If we're just doing two thousand ladies, then she could. I could see her as a headliner. But mm. if we're trying to mimic. This female version of Scream Tour, that ain't gonna work. You're gonna have to go with the Crunk and B ladies, the Cherishes and the Danity Canes, and and I'm the mm. Brooke Valentines and people like that. Yeah, yeah well, you, if she's awake. Well, oh. like, can Carrie Hilson is she headlining? She hasn't put out music in so long. I don't know if she's headlining, but she could be definitely part of that. Well, yeah. guys, we need a we need a headliner. We need to sell this tour. Jasmine Sullivan? See, she doesn't fit this generation either. No, definitely not Jasmine. She was later. Um, the only headliner would be Sierra. She was the biggest star of that era. So Female star anyway. So I guess that's why we're not getting a female Millennium Tour. Sierra won't do it. No. And again, I don't even know if there would be enough strong acts unless you start throwing in random people like the freaking pussycat dolls who don't need to be in it anyway but <laughs> well and let me ask you a question though you know <laughs> if you need a, fe- a, a female scream tour would there be screaming men in the audience that's my point that doesn't make any sense you want to have a bunch of 40 year old dudes screaming at the pussycat dolls what does this even mean that's scary. why I said that it makes more sense to add them to the current Millennium Tour because you can't do a male version of that. That's creepy and weird. True. Well, there is a lot of logistics behind putting males and females on the same tour. As you guys know, females require a lot more on the road with like makeup artists, wardrobe changes, and all of that. So I think Sammy could pretty much just perform topless and he'll be fine. 
So, oh my god. Top, that, I mean, that's how it is. <laughs> topless. Yes, he is. So, why is he why is he here? Why is this man here? <laughs> there are a lot of factors here, guys, but uh yeah, I'd like to see some ladies in this. Maybe the next time around. And hopefully the next time around we also have folks like Jay Holiday, Day Twenty Six, and B five on this tour. Cause Tom, didn't you come up with a theory about why they're not on this one? They committed to the other, the immature IMX tour, and then uh, unfortunately they were probably blocked out from committing to other dates. I think we were filled in on. So, and then what happened was the immature tour ended up being one show instead of a full tour. Unfortunately, where was that show, yeah. Kyle? That show will be in Dallas, I think, next week. Dal- Let's give a shout out to Dallas for actually packing a building because no other city could do it for this tour. Yeah, that's uh, that's a shame. And I feel like those acts would have fit perfectly with this Millennium Tour that's about to take place. Um, I feel like Jay Holiday probably deserves to be on this tour. He has the hits. And uh, B5, I can see it, but Sammy was a good fit as well. And then who was the last one? Who am I missing here? Oh, Day 26. See, it's weird. Day 26 was really big at one point, but no one really remembers their hits. Well, a lot of their fame, and I know the Day 26 stands are going to come at me, but hit me up on E.T. Bowser and yell at me there. Day 26 was really hot due to that TV show. but And the yeah. music they released after was not trash at all. But it's just like their fame just lived and died on that show. Once that show went off, and then they, you know the group was whatever was going on with them later on but they're they're kind of everything that was about them just kind of circled around that show without the show they just didn't have any juice to kind of keep everything going hmm so shout out to day 26 um who do you think can still be added to this tour from a male perspective because i think they've pretty much got everyone that they needed uh tom do we need sean kingston on this tour Sean, Sean Kingston. Kingston. I hate to say this, but I feel like he actually fits in this tour, guys. You know he does. Jeez. Again, more proof that I ain't gonna be on this show ever. But um, <laughs> yes, he he definitely fits on the tour. And then of course the trio Neil, Trey, and Chris—they're not gonna do this tour. But it would be cool to no. see them on some spot dates. Yeah, but again, they. I don't know. I feel like their sound doesn't fit with this sound. What they were because everybody we mentioned is kind of like that mid two thousands was like their peak, and Trey and cousin Chris and Neo they kind of had big things later in the decade and then going into the next decade. So they could be there, but I don't associate them with like everybody else we mentioned, the Jay Holidays and the crew. It's it's um you know what this made me think of it's like this generation is coming together like this, but we're still not seeing this really for the '90s. Like the '90s, you get these throwback tours with all different genres combined, but we're not getting like artists coming together, and which I think would be great for the genre. I mean, artists are getting booked. I mean, '90s artists is different. They could easily get booked off of the strength of their hits, and they're doing their thing on the weekends. But still, I think it would be great for the genre if artists came together, like a group with them, and did a real tour, man. That would be cool. That would be incredible. But like you said, because a lot of these 90s artists, and just being fair, like R&B was way bigger. 
So a lot of these artists, like a genuine, could do a freaking tour by himself because he's got so many hits. Whereas a, you know, no offense to my man, Jay Holiday, my man, but he doesn't have nearly the catalog of hits that a, a genuine would have. So these, they could definitely do it. And I would be right there front row with my ticket. But I feel like there's just so much that those artists can just do on their own. They're kind of like, eh, I don't really need to. Or it'll just be a couple of them instead of a giant slate like we're seeing with Millennium Tool. Right. Now, one last question about this female Millennium Tour. I just thought of a name here, and then we'll move on from this conversation. But would JoJo be a headliner? Would that work? I don't see JoJo as a headliner. Yeah. I don't, like She definitely I don't should so. be there, but I don't see her as a headliner. So we're going to have a bunch of secondary acts, but no headliner for this tour. I see. Y'all better call <laughs> Sierra. <laughs> oh, man. Um... Now, Tom and I got into at a very big debate about this over the phone okay. yesterday, and Tom was pissed. I was only oh half tro- I was trolling, but it was interesting to see his reaction because Tom can I just has give always the, the, the backstories. Yes, you on can. this. Yes, I, I, I need had, context. I had just come home from a nice meal out on the town, actually a vegan meal with my brother and his wife and my wife. So it was kind of mushy, though. It was uh, tofu. Not, I don't recommend it. Anyway, it was kind of mushy. I, just, I, was come, I had come home. I was settling in with a nice cup of, of cognac in my hands, getting ready to oh turn God. down for bed. Next thing I know, uh-huh. I see a message come into my phone from Kyle. Hey, Tom, isn't Jacquees a better singer than Darnell Jones? Yeah, oh, my all God. Hell, all hell broke loose from there. I was fired up. <laughs> As you I don't know what happened after of- that. Oh, well, you got the yak in your hand, so I ain't no telling what happened after that. <laughs> Kyle, what's your point here? Listen, I don't. Tom made a point that you had to be able to sing in the 90s in order to get signed. Have you seen those Darnell Jones live performances recently? And I can go back Look. and dig up some ones from the 90s, but they're not too good. Albie Shore, is he really that good of a singer, Ed? <sighs> Vocally, he's okay. And man, you're not wrong about poor Darnell because I have, you know, those lists people share on Facebook where it's like your best concert and your worst concert. Unfortunately, every time when I have to do the worst, my man Darnell has to end up on the list. And it's not that he was even bad when I saw him in, this was like 02. But he just like, you could tell he did not want to be there. He wanted to go home and get to Target or something because he was not enthused <laughs> in that performance. It's somewhere, he was just, he got on stage, he barely sang, and he ran off the stage like he had to use the bathroom. Maybe he had to use the bathroom the whole time. Well, well I, I have a theory actually about Donnell, just real quick though. I've seen yeah. him a few times, and it's always been a similar thing to what you're saying, but I don't, th- I actually think he's kind of shy. Like, he's not a natural performer. And he just does it out of necessity. So we talk about all the Summer Walker stuff where she makes it all public. But maybe just maybe Donnell goes through something similar and just doesn't publicize it. Like, I just never looked at him as, like, someone who looked comfortable ever doing performances. So, I mean, hey, you never know. I mean, that's true. He did look super uncomfortable. I was sitting there with my soon-to-be wife, well, in a few years, soon-to-be wife. And I was like, why does dude look so nervous? And that's probably exactly what it was. He just isn't comfortable. And because he is an adult and doesn't put every business of every syllable, everything on the freaking Twitter, maybe this is something he struggles with. 
And is it looking for sympathy from stands? <laughs> <laughs> but the conversation really came down to a generational difference where I think it's very common for all of us to think that our generation is the best generation and the generation after is not as good. And we'll get into that conversation a little more later. But guys, I was just trolling about Jacquees better than Darnell, but can we all admit right here on the Soulback Podcast that Jay Holiday is a better vocalist than some of those 90s singers that I just mentioned? Jay Holiday is a better vocalist than I'll Be Sure? Yes. This guy this is the biggest Jay Holiday stand I ever met. Clearly. Listen, it was his birthday yesterday. We got to show him some love. No, Jay Holiday is my man. Listen, I let you earlier get away by saying Jay Holiday has the hit. <laughs> oh, don't start it. Don't Maybe. start it. <laughs> anyway. Bed and suffocate. Right. Two classics. <sighs> even even Soul Child said so. And that guy shows... That guy shows Soul? no love to anything. Listen, Soul shows no love to anything came, that comes out after 1992. So if he calls those two classics, those are classics. Soul Child said that Horace Brown should be in the R&B Hall of Fame. But so I don't know about <laughs> all that. Yep. Regardless. Uh. So the point you're trying to make. I, I Honestly, I can't even comment because I, I never really studied Jay Holiday. I never considered Jay Holiday a, a true vocalist. So I never looked at him. I'll go back and try to analyze his voice i will say though i never considered don donnell jones and i don't think many did like a standout perform like vocalist I, I just think he can get away with carrying a note and he could you know hold his own vocally but he's not going to blow you away with his voice i don't think he ever was looked at in that way and mm-hmm. that's fine like and i talk about this a lot when people scream about who can sing and who can't sing not being able to there's a difference between getting on stage and mumbling yourself into oblivion. That's trash. But they're different. Everybody doesn't have to be Luther. Everybody doesn't have to be Cisco 99. Like, they're different ways. You can... I have no problem saying that Donnell is a great singer. I think he is a great singer. He is not necessarily the most powerful singer. He's a great singer. Jacquees, I don't know what's going on with Billy Goat, man, but it's close enough. And even Jacquees is okay sometimes when he knows his range. He's fine. Sometimes he just gets a little overzealous. I'll say that. King of R&B tour set to cu- set to start, I think, in January. So you guys go get your tickets. I'm going to go just to get some merch. Can you imagine walking around with a hoodie that says King of R&B? Jacquees has me sold, guys. Can we scrape his logo off the back or whatever? That's what I'm saying, dude. Can we have it without <laughs> his logo on it? I rock that. Oh, man. Shoutouts to my man. Uh, some news for you guys here. Uh, since we talked about the Millennium Tour. Ed, the Pussycat Dolls, you mentioned them. They're set to reunite. Is that exciting to you? <laughs> no. Oh. I don't think I could. In my 10 years of running, you know I got soul. I don't think I've ever heard anyone ask for a Pussycat Dolls reunion. FYI. I, I don't. <laughs> and I, I can't hate. I know they got their fans. They were gigantic at one point, but... They never did anything for me. Although I did, I will say, I always thought the lead singer, Nicole Scherzinger or whatever her name is, she, I thought I thought that yeah. she was going to blow. I thought that she was, it was just going to happen. 
and it never did. I think she did some songs with Timberland, like it just didn't happen. And I, that no, always they tried me. hard. They tried they really did. hard to make that happen. It just Which is did weird not work. because it was weird because she was the lead singer and quite frankly the only singer in the group. But people sometimes just want to see the whole group together as opposed to one person. I just I wonder what happened there because it just never really worked out. I remember it, I guess it was the mid two thousands. My wife, yeah, it was mid two thousands. We were in Louisville. My wife interviewed her, and this was like on the verge of her. She had just come out with some song, and she was on the verge of being huge. And everybody was getting ready for her to blow up Beyonce style, and it didn't happen. Sometimes it's just not in the cars. Or her name was too complicated to search on YouTube, so she lost a bunch of streams there. Well, that would probably happen if it was 2015, before people knew how to use Google. And it was like, I don't know. <laughs> but people had a little bit more sense in mid-2000s. Right. We lost it about a decade. Mm, when Soldier Boy came on board, whew, it was a wrap. Yes, brains melted. I <laughs> uh, got another question for you guys. Can Daniel Caesar sing? Is he considered a vocalist? I just saw him in concert, so I need the real here. He's another one that I wouldn't say is a bad singer, but again, how are we categorizing singing? Are we talking about power vocalists? Because if that's what we're saying, absolutely not. But when he's in his lane, he's fine. Right. But, Tom, I'll say this, because we often complain about how these new kids don't know R&B, and uh, I think when we're in like our 50s, we're going to be like, you hear this? This is that good stuff. <laughs> oh, so, God. I can't wait till we get to that age, or that's my jam. Uh, but it was interesting because when I was at this Daniel Caesar record, demographic was probably early 20s. Once that Brandy and Daniel Caesar record came on, everyone was going nuts. And if you remember, this song is only charting on Urban AC. I think it's number one right now, actually. But you have this whole arena full of Daniel Caesar fans that love this record. Does that go back to your theory in that? fans these days only love artists not the genre 100 percent. i think i made that point and that's 100 percent what it is and it's sad to see it but of course they're going to cheer for that song it was forced them you know pushed as a hit it's a good song actually i like it it's definitely a different um style to me than the rest of that project but you know it's just a weird place we're in right now yeah um but I don't know. Is it that? Because I feel like my generation as well, like I listened to my Mario's and, I, and my Omarion's and I loved all of them. So you you would say that I love the genre, but I wasn't really out here listening to Anthony Hamilton or, or, or uh, Kate Sweat or any of these guys. So I think each era has their own definition of R&B. You got to put it in the same context. I mean, is, are the people supporting Daniel Caesar supporting all the other R&B acts from his generation? is a better question. They're not going to support that's, every single singer. Correct. Yeah. That's that's the difference because that's and that's why I feel like we've kind of lost and that's there's a lot of factors to that. The fact that there's no 106 in park, there's no video soul, radio is just kind of catered to like two or three artists. But we're at this point where people latch on to an artist and they say I, I get it all the time, and you can really tell when I'm looking at these end-of-the-decade lists when it's like the best rap albums of the decade, and it's like 17 Drake albums, and they're like, oh, I'm an R a rap expert. You're a Drake fan, homie. You're not a rap expert. You know 
you know what you know. You have one person you like, maybe a couple others, and then you shape everything around that. Because we don't have this these mediums that expose us to more stuff. Now, I know people will say, oh, we've got so much music at our fingertips. We've got Spotify. We've got Tidal. We've got YouTube. Everything is there. There's no excuse. Yes, there's no excuse. But people are not going to search out beyond their circle of you know, their comfort zone if they have to. If they don't have to, they're not going to do it. So we have these pockets of fans where we have people saying that Daniel Caesar is the greatest artist of all time and they've only heard Daniel Caesar. Of course you think he's the greatest of all time. Not the only person you've ever listened to. <laughs> and that's why I think, that's the way I think the difference comes in. It's cool. Like I, most of the people listening to this podcast and between the three of us, and our circle, we are fans of R&B. So even if we don't like certain artists, we will give it a chance to see if we like it. Because we like the genre. Unfortunately, we have come to a place where people don't support genres. They just stand for their faves. So you like your fave. If there's someone featured on your fave song, then you're okay. You might check them out. But you don't have to get out of your circle of influence. So that's a struggle with R&B right now. Getting people mm. to love the genre beyond loving their one person is kind of where we at. Right. And I think another thing we're struggling with here, guys, is trying to figure out what happened to Groove Theory. Because I'm, I'm still rocking to that music. Amel LaRue. Tom, what happened to her? <laughs> Kyle, I love it. I wanted to bring some whatever happened to is into this show because, Ed, you do a great job with those on Soul and Stereo. It's good that yes. we can talk about some of these. Amel LaRue, she's, well, Groove Theory hasn't been around in a couple of decades, I think, but they reunited for some shows a few years ago. I don't know. But Amel, what year was that she came out? She had that single, Afraid, and we had it in our countdown. I think it was like four or five years ago. Yeah. And then she kind of just, have you done a piece on her, Ed? I have not. She's somebody that I need to do a, a whatever happened to her on because she would be a perfect subject. Well, I, I kind of know the background. I mean, she's someone, in my experience, is just kind of comfortable being out of the spotlight and living, you know, a married, she's married, her, you know, she has kids, her daughter actually performs with her sometimes, and uh, it's just comfortable making a living doing a few shows a year, living off her publishing, and from, from what I've seen, I mean, not everyone wants to be super rich, you know, some people are just content that way. I think that's why we don't see more from her. Mm. And yeah, and that's a great point. A lot of times we hear people. That's why I get so frustrated when y'all holler and scream. So and so fell off. They fell off. Well, this might be the point where they got enough money where they don't have to be out here embarrassing themselves like your faves, out here scrounging for your change. They didn't fall off. They got comfortable, and now they're going home and doing music on their own terms. So props to those who can do that. Everybody ain't fell off. Shut up. Yeah. I want to add two things though, Kyle. For starters, you might have to go do your homework. That Groove Theory album is one of my favorites of all time in my top ten easily. I think I might have to, I might have to agree with my boy on this one because that Groove Theory album, first of all, Tell Me is one of my favorite songs of all time. Any genre, any genre. I remember to this day when I first saw that video, I was at my grandma's house. You know, it was in black and white. So I was kind of like, oh, what's wrong with the TV? So, no, that is one of my favorite songs of all time. That that album is incredible and definitely one that, for whatever reason, just doesn't get the love and respect that it deserved. Even back then. Right. Hmm. 
Mm. And number two, right. on number two, on a more sadder note, I watched Amel LaRue perform live in New York about five years ago, and I filmed one of her songs and posted it on the site. I was Man, I didn't, I, I didn't notice anything at the time, but she got killed and still does in the comments about her vocal performance that night. I don't even really realize it, anything was off about her voice, but damn, that was probably the most negative of any performance we've posted. That was probably the worst, Kyle. What was yeah. wrong with her voice? Go watch it when you get a chance on YouTube. We posted it. This is like five years ago, but we still get comments on that one. It's crazy. <laughs> Jeez. That's rough. Oh, man. Shouts to her. And then I got another whatever happened to, if we can. We'll try to do this every week. Probably do one a week. But I just really wanted to bring him up because recently we just talked about Usher's Here I Stand album. And it was interesting because a lot of people had the same sentiments towards that album, which was at the time when I was listening to it, when it came out, I didn't like it because I was expecting another Confessions. But now that I'm older and married, I can definitely relate to this album. So, guys, you might just have to revisit an album multiple times before you like it. Ed, that A album, it's going to get to you one day. The A album? is that You've had that build up for that A album. That's the build up that you gave. <laughs> Um, oh, I cannot wait until um, we go to Vancouver next year to visit you because it will be I will find that A album and delete it from every every device you own because somebody listen, has to we need an intervention player. Something's got to step in. Listen, there's a time and place for every project in your life. That A project is probably when you're going through your midlife crisis. So we'll be ready for that, Ed. <laughs> <laughs> Kyle, but, only you could spin that introduction into turning into an Usher debate once again like you do on every freaking podcast. Basically. But back on topic here, uh, whatever happens, can we talk about Rel? He wrote the record Here I Stand, which to me is one of Usher's best and most underrated records. But Rel, Tom, I thought he was going to blow. He was on Rockefeller. He had a record with Kanye West. He had a Timbaland produced song with Jay-Z on it. What happened there? Did we ever tell Ed the story in a, one of our early interviews with Rel, where he said Kanye hijacked his career. Just, what? I I have never heard this, and it's and it's funny we're talking about this because this morning I went to the gym and just listened to some Rel. So no, I got to hear this. This was an epic interview where he stated to us that Kanye in the video shoot for his song "Real Love." You remember that song? Yep. With the with the tribe called Quest sample, he said mm-hmm. Kanye pretty much just went overboard with the video shoot, like trying to change the plans and everything. Like it wasn't even his own song. And as a result, they just had ended up shutting down the video shoot and not even having a video. And, and oh. Rel claimed that was the start of the ending for him. Wait, they shut down the whole video? I don't remember the details, but as a result of Kanye's meddling into like trying to change things in the video, it just never ended up being a video. No, oh my god i never heard this i'm not surprised knowing kanye like we know kanye but yeah man, kanye screw rail i'm gonna get that trending on twitter hashtag kanye screw rail well i don't know if i will say that like i thought he was gonna be the next greatest thing but i did think that he was gonna be much bigger than he was because when he debuted Going back to 98 or so, I think Love for Free, that was like the one that really got everybody popping. This is when Rockefeller was really taking off and he was connected with the right folks, doing the right features. What was the song he had with um, 
No Better Love with the um the two little rap boys. I can't think of their names. Somebody'll yell at me on Twitter, I'm sure. The dudes from Philly. But <laughs> like he was like the hook master. He was in tight with some of the biggest movers and shakers. Like he was destined to have at least a solid career. Again, I didn't think he was gonna be the next Brian McKnight, but I thought he at least had some gas in the tank. And he just fell off out of nowhere. He just vanished. Like we never heard anything from him. And now we learn that it's cause Kanye went nuts. Yep. Shout out to my boy Rel. Also wrote Love Contract for Music Soul Child. Do you like that song, Tom? No, uh, I mean, no offense to Music or Rel, but no, I do not. <laughs> All right. <laughs> I don't even remember that. that song. That was on the Purple album, right? Yeah, the music. Yeah, the that music was in the magic. Yeah, yeah, I, I didn't like that know. album. Exactly. Really? It was a weird album. Yeah. That didn't even sound like a music album, but that's another story for another day. <laughs> yes, yeah. it is. Uh, now, one album that we can talk about really quickly here, I'm going to ask some questions on this one, is the Mary J. Blige My Life album. It's celebrating its 25th year. You guys are old. Geezers, actually. Uh, this is probably one of the most, if not the most influential R&B album of all time. Guys... I'm going to ask you guys this. If you mm-hmm. were to take out a song from this album, which one would it be? Oh, God. And you can't say interlude because that's, fa- that's not fun. Well, no, that's cheating. Damn, you're putting uh, me on the spot. Uh, I got to think about that one. Yeah, yeah I'm, I'm thinking, thinking too. too. I mean, I'm, I'm like, like going, going through, through the track, track list in my head. head. I, I don't know that there's anything I would take off. That's, that's, that's our album, album right there. I'm going to list all the songs right now, and when okay. you guys find the one, you guys say, gone. Like, okay. in, in, in the style of that NSYNC song. <laughs> no, let, let's not do that. All right. Uh, we have Mary Jane All Night Long, You Bring Me Joy, I'm the Only Woman, My Life, You Gotta Believe, I Never Want to Live Without You, I'm Going Down, Be I'm With going You. With, uh, I'm going with I Never Want to Live Without You. Oh, oh, you are. That's my least favorite, I think. What Crazy. else are you take out there? I don't know, but I ain't taking that one out. We'll see. <laughs> Mary's Joint, Don't Go, I Love You, No One Else, and Be Happy. Oh, my God, player. Um, I mean, when you think about so many albums that I listen to, and I, as I listen to the album and I'm doing reviews, I'm literally mentally saying... They should have threw this off. They should have taken this off. Why they put this song up here? The only song that you said that I don't really listen to like that is maybe I'm the only woman. And it's not a bad song, but maybe that. Like, it's, there is nothing bad here. Now, there is stuff like I'm kind of tired of Be Happy. But that, I wouldn't take that off because it's just such a classic song. I'll say I'm the only woman just because that's the only thing I listen to the least. But no, I'm definitely not taking it. I never want to live without you. What's wrong with Tom? Oh, my goodness. Can I just ask you guys a question? Because I'm sad. When was the last <laughs> okay. time? Okay. We, we, 
When was the last time we got a good, above-average Mary J. Blige album? I have, and I know that we've discussed this before. Shout out to my man Montrez. We talked about yeah. This shout out. Twitter. That's who sparked this this question because he went and listened to everything. Little boy right. doing his homework. I like that. We like to see that. Yes. See, and that's what I yes, that's, that's what I was saying before about this podcast. Most, if you're listening to this podcast, you're an R and B lover. You do your research, and we respect that. Most people, especially at his age, no, they're just gonna be like, well, I don't know who she is. She she must have fallen off. Anyway. I like my life too. I'm not saying it's as good as my life one, not at all. But of all her later stuff, I thought that was the best. I don't get the hate for it. I thought it was solid. And to I be fair, say- Mary doesn't have any. I cannot think of a straight up bad Mary J. Blige albums. The couple Wait. of later ones are forgettable. What about the one in? Uh, hold up, Ed. What about the one in 2003? The one that she did with Diddy. That was not a good album. No, that's true. Yeah, that's the only that one was, I don't like. That was, that was very uneven. Yeah, that's that's the only one that I don't like. The rest of them are at least okay. They're at least like three and a half stars okay. That's mm. the only one I'm like, eh. There is that other one, Stronger With Each Stronger with each Tier. That was not a good album either. I didn't like that album at all. There's, There's that, that Kitchen song. That was good, though. No. <laughs> the Kitchen song. I mean, this album just felt misguided. You had Drake, T.I., Trey songs on here. I mean, it just didn't... You had a Neo Stargate song on here. It just felt all over the place. It was. Again, I'm not saying it's perfect, but I thought it was solid. It's better than Stronger with each tier. I'm going to give you guys my answer since no one's going to be honest here. I'm going to say the last above-average album you had was probably Mary in 99. Oh, come on. You didn't wow. like the breakthrough? You, you like Growing Pains? Uh, it, it didn't age well. I liked it for the moment, but looking back, it was more of a Neo album than anything. So, so you're, you're saying, saying that, that, that album's better, better than Breakthrough? The Breakthrough... I, I didn't love this album either. It was too long. I mean, there were some songs I didn't long. like at all. You know what, what my problem with Mary, I think, about the past two decades of her career, just everything felt uneven. It never felt like she had her own sound. It was more like she was molding her sound to the top writers of the moment and producers. And it kind of, for me, took her off track from the great stuff she created with the first four albums. Well, that I agree with, because if we're going by that mindset, then Mary was the last album that kind of felt like a Mary J. Blige project in that it was her sound. And even though, as we've discussed here before, it was kind of a departure from her original gritty hip-hop sound that everybody was doing by then, but it still felt authentically Mary. So I do agree with that. But I will say that I think she's still done some great stuff since then. No, it's true. I'll give you that. Exaggerating in 2019, Ed and Tom, we call that hating. Anyways, oh, please. Let's move on. <laughs> let's move on. Uh, can we get into the soul backtrack of the day really quickly here? Do it. And DJ Soul Child will be very happy about this one. Can we go with the record? I'll be sure, night and day. <laughs> Great song, Kyle. That song gets sampled more than anything I've ever heard. 
Because it's just a, it's an iconic beat. Like that production is just timeless. And going back to what you were saying earlier about kind of younger artists, I mean younger fans when they come out and they hear a Brandy come on stage and it's like ah, and you, someone who doesn't usually listen to a Brandy play a timeless music is just timeless. If you make a great song, it's gonna connect. Unfortunately, we're at the point where there is a generation of fans who won't even give it the time of day. And, uh, and to be fair, maybe our generation didn't either, but we were kind of forced to just due to the climate and the way music was presented. But now that you can pick and choose your own music a la carte, people just exclude this great music from their lives and play it. Y'all missing some heat. Night and day still bangs, and that's why they're still sampling it. Now, Tom, I don't know if Ed knows this, but didn't Wale sample this song with Sebastian Michael a couple years ago? Yeah, he did. That was a good. That was a good version too. I liked it. Wale is <laughs> Wale is hot and cold to me, but the man has an ear for beats. I give him that. I also we think just, it's hilarious that Wale of all people is Tom's favorite rapper. What in the world? <laughs> we'll get Listen. to that another time, Ed. But it's more hate as usual from Ed. <laughs> we just have to throw a Wale mention in there somewhere. Yeah, please. This called an informed opinion, and y'all calling it hate. <laughs> All right, go listen to your little Uzi Vert and 21 Savage when we hang up this podcast. Oh, jeez. <laughs> I'm going to hang you up for bringing up Uzi Vert in this podcast. All right, uh, can we get into the play of please really quickly? We've been rather nice this podcast. Well, it's time. Well, Tom got me fired up, so this is the perfect time. Well, I'm going to get you fired up some more here. Uh, Lizzo who's been under the microscope over the last two weeks because she screwed Ari Lennox over of her well-deserved award. but Oh, don't she, start that trash again. But I think she made a statement on social media that said recently, and Tom, you'll be excited about this one because it has your favorite P word. Uh, Lizzo said, the people like my music. Paola did not make me successful. Hmm. Thoughts? <laughs> sure, I believe that. Ed? I think in this stage, and first of all, in this age of 2019, if you're on a radio as much as that lady is, and don't get me wrong, I'm a Lizzo fan and supporter, and the Ari Lennox stuff was stupid. But to be like, oh, Paola didn't have anything to do. Okay. You might not know it because you might not be in those meetings. You're just kind of reaping the rewards. But let's be real, lady. Paola is still a real thing in 2019. I don't know if she has... Was she there when money was exchanged? Of course not. Is it still real? That stuff is real, dog. And then I read news recently, Tom, that uh, I think the government is trying to shut down payola. Well, is anyone paying taxes on it? Is it a real exchange? I mean, it's not regulated, so they should shut it down. It's not right. Yeah. Yeah. But No, it's not regulated at all. That's why the government wants to... They're cut. But I would argue, I would argue that Paola has always been around and all of our favorites became our favorites. Maybe not all the way because they did put out quality as well, but money was a factor in that as well to get us exposed to that type of music. Yeah, Paola is not new. Like, it's been around forever and ever and ever. And there have been very many documented cases because I felt there's also because the weird thing in 2019 where everybody thinks they're super geniuses and thinks everything is conspiracy. 
I've seen a lot of fans. Oh, there's no such thing as payola, and it's not really a real thing. And that shut up. There have been artists who have been admitting that there's payola going down. So it's a real thing, and I think that it continues today. And a lot of times, it did help us with the artists that we like. And the Kyle said to Kyle's point, a lot of them were talented, so it was kind of like, oh, who cares? They're talented. I can hear my my favorite artists. We get frustrated now because the payola dudes and ladies out here sounding like cats and dogs. But where? what can you do? Money mm-hmm. rules everything. Now, I'm going to name a couple of records here, and you guys tell me if this was a product of Strictly Payola or the people actually liked the song. Are you guys ready? Well, Clay, how are we going to know if it was Strictly Payola? Well, if the song is actually trash, more likely than not, it was Payola. Oh, gosh. Anyway, go, go ahead before I get into this. Uh, crank That Soldier Boy? No, I don't remember how Soldier Boy kind of blew up. He is the first internet sensation. He started all of this, unfortunately. So, I don't think it was Payola at first. It may have been later. But, unfortunately, his success was organic. I agree with that. I think that's legit. Now, later on, Lord knows what happened, but... He was an organic success. All right. What about Laffy Taffy? Ugh. You were bringing up some terrible memories. That was probably some... That smells like payola to me. But I don't know. Just speculation, people. (laughs) And Tom, isn't this a southern classic? Slow Motion by Juvenile? (laughs) And I love those southern classics. Southern Southern classics. First First of all, all, slow motion motion is a classic, so shut up. All right, then. You will not disparage slow motion. motion. You like that song? I I love slow motion. motion. Wow. Tom? Yeah, next. All right, then. Uh, We are looking for (laughs) hip-hop. We are looking to get hip-hop knowledge from Mr. Wale over here. I heard Philly's Most Wanted is a new album coming out. Oh my! <laughs> yes, they have. They will have one sale. Imagine if they reunited with the Neptunes. Oh man, now that would be something. It would be something, all right. Mm-hmm. Something that needs to be left in '99. Good songs on that album, actually. But uh, Ed, we're finally going to get into your favorite part of the program, where you get to rant about Summer Walker. Which Tom oh, told me not, not to talk about, but we have to because it happened in my home country. Uh, she apparently made her fans wait like four hours at the venue before she came out. And the reason for that is because she left or she left her passport at home or she forgot to bring it to the airport. So they had to reroute her flight to Vegas to get her new passport processed. Made it to Toronto, hung out with Drake. And by the end of that, she realized it's time to perform, and when she got on stage, everyone was pissed. Well, first of all, you're leaving a lot of stuff out of the story, because not only was she hanging around with Drake, she was hanging around with that London on the track weirdo, and apparently when they asked her, did you know, did you relate, she was like, oh, I didn't know. And of course, we get what we always get every time this Summer Walker person comes up. Everybody starts screaming, oh, but she's got social anxiety. Stop being mean to her. You don't understand her struggle. Kyle just explained to y'all 
the chick was late because she left her paperwork at the crib. And then when she got her paperwork straight, she decided to hang around outside and like take Instagram pictures, Instagram stunt instead of getting her butt on on the stage. And then she says, oh, I didn't know what time my show started. You didn't know what time your own show started. How does this play into social anxiety? Because this is the equivalent of somebody who didn't turn in their homework, who failed their test, who yelled at their teacher, who got suspended, and it's just like, oh, social anxiety. Are y'all <laughs> going to start holding these people accountable for being trash or what? And before somebody yells, I'm not making fun of social anxiety. I'm making fun of somebody who is not taking their career seriously. If she don't want to be here, y'all need to stop spending money on her. That's all I'm saying. Because it's clear that she does not care or take, she does not care about her fans or the money they invest in her. So you want her to start caring, you start messing with her checks. I bet you she act right then. <laughs> exactly. So, Ed, I'm glad we got that Summer Walker stuff out of the way. I think Tom just hung up on us because he heard Summer and he was like, I'm out. But well, I can't blame him. Hopefully next week it'll be a drama-free Summer Walker week, but there are no guarantees on this Soulback podcast. But I'm dealing what, with this chick. What is guaranteed is that you have been posting a lot on So In Stereo, love letters, music reviews. What's going on there? Yes, it, we are finally wrapping up the week of Blog Like Crazy with a month of Blog Like Crazy where I posted something every single day for the month of November. Players, if y'all missed out on that, go check out the site because... Don't let my work be in vain. Y'all were killing me. Um, I got new reviews up from, I think we talked last week about my review of Tanache. We've got yep. a new edition of Love Letters where I actually go into detail about the whole Omarion slash Lil Fizz slash, what's that chick name? April something. That yep. whole situation. I go into that. We look at 19 overlooked and underrated hip hop albums of the decade. Lots of old favorites there. I got a lot of love there. And just posted is the next whatever happened to we kind of did a little mini whatever happened to kind of segment here on the podcast but i go in detail and look back at your girls kyle cherish to see where they went from a foursome to now a duet nice nice and i gotta go check that out but can we give omarion the goat award for dropping the tour dates on lil fizz's birthday <laughs> if you go check out my love letters, you will see that my overarching point was Omarion played the game best because in 2019, everybody feels like you have to yell and scream at each other on social media. I was like, nope, I'm going to play this game like a petty professional. And I love it. I love it. He won. So, so there's that. Uh, over at you know I got soul.com I'm actually going to be interviewing Genuine today or hopefully I just spoke to his road manager and he replied with I'll let you know so I have 10 hours to figure this out but we might get a new Genuine interview but Ed I <laughs> um, Ed that seems to be it for this week's soul back podcast this was a fun one like they all are so we'll be back next week with another one We'll be back. I'm sure some will do something to piss me off, and there'll be more R&B. Hopefully some releases this week. It's kind of a slow week, so hopefully we'll get some new stuff next week. Yeah, we got to talk about that Tamiya Christmas record next week, too. Oh, yes, we do. All right, then. Until then, we're out. We out. <laughs>